Welcome to the GRTIQ podcast. This release is a special edition of the podcast. This past week on July 20th, the graph announced the launch of Substream's powered subgraphs. This innovative technology has the promise of redefining what's possible for the graph and pushing the frontiers of indexing blockchain data. Here to talk about Substreams and Substreams powered subgraphs and what it all means for the graph is Alex Bourget, co-founder and CTO at StreamingFest, the core dev team behind it all. Alex Bourget, welcome back to the GRTIQ podcast. I'm thrilled to have you and I really appreciate your time. Hey, Nick, Nick, Nick. I'm always extremely pleased to be back with you and thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations to you, the Streaming Fast team, for continually innovating. And for people that aren't aware, there was a huge announcement on July 20th about Substreams powered subgraphs. And I want to just ask you a couple of questions about that and try to educate listeners about why this announcement matters and how it'll impact the future of the graph. Before we begin, do you mind just providing a high-level overview of what Substreams powered subgraphs are? Yes, substreams powered subgraphs are really the fusion of those two pieces of technology into something that makes, you know, both of them even more powerful, but also it sort of refreshes the indexing story on the graph in a way. Uh, subgraphs have been great for developing rapidly uh, indexing of blockchain data, indexing solutions and, 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 and kicking off an API. And that's the subgraph aspect that is contributed here in the substreams powered subgraph. Whereas substreams take on the part of transformation and, you know, sucking the data from the blockchain and, and then, you know, analyzing what it means and then refining it. And then that becomes the stream that gets piped directly or closer to directly in the database under the subgraphs. And the subgraphs provide their GraphQL API plus all the integration. That's the, the most important aspect, the integration in the graph network so that all the economics can still roll out. But we're bringing the substreams engine sooner, faster, you know, into the graph ecosystem. And uh, eventually people will still be able to use subgraphs alone, eventually being able to use substreams alone for different purposes. But the two fusing together in this announcement, I mean, it brings the future right now. Incredible. So I got that. These are two technologies that have come together to form something that's novel and innovative for users that are building on the graph. What's the origin story behind Substreams? Where did this idea come from? So, you know, our company started five years ago when we wanted to build a streaming first engine. And we, we built tons of custom APIs. And at some point, we reduced our you know, technology to its core. And today, it's known as Firehose. And from there, we were stemming a bunch of APIs or custom you know, indexing technologies. And we were always on the look for some generalizable you know, ways so that people could build on it. And we're looking at the graph and eventually here you know, we fuse, fuse in some ways with the graph and substreams was that taking that technology and taking that inspiration of generalizable, you know, user programmable, remote code execution sort of thing to, to allow people to, to build the indexing that they need within the scope of that powerful engine. And substreams is born of that fusion there, right? So that's it. It came about, you know, after some experiments we made trying to make a general purpose machine in the form of Sparkle. And I don't know if you guys remember where we would show that it, it is possible to have high performance, really fast indexing because of parallelization. And, and then we brought back the, you know, user driven code like Subgraph already had. So if you break out 
these two pieces of technology. You've got substreams powered subgraphs, and then you've got these standalone subgraphs. And you mentioned into the future, people will likely use both. And in fact, there'll be occasions where people just use substreams. But can we talk a little bit about the benefits of why someone would choose to use a substreams powered subgraph versus maybe just a standalone subgraph? Yes, the, the subgraphs normally they're, they're, they're forced in a way or they're designed around linear execution of the history. And the histories of all these blockchains, they're getting bigger and bigger. There's more and more data. There's more and more chains. And as histories grow, well, it has a linear impact on the performance of a subgraph. Whereas you know, with the subchains, we designed it to be paralyzable because we wanted to be able to cut the history and increase the number of CPUs and decrease the number of machines you need, perhaps, which also increases a bit of the cost, right? But at least you can trade off the cost for the time so that you as a human person, when you come to the job in the morning, you don't need to wait for a week. You can do your work faster. I'll bite a little bit costlier, but faster. So that's what the substreams aspect brings. It brings paralyzation powers to the subgraph engine, which still handles all the querying, but at least, you know, the first draft. And there are also improvements to the developer cycle. Because normally you would craft your subgraph and you would deploy it and wait until it's synced. But now you can iterate much, much faster because you can like try a thing and it's going to run in parallel. So under, I don't know, 20 minutes, you can be at the end of the chain for a certain nugget of information you're looking for certain computation that you want to try. So it really changes the paradigm as to, you know, the speed of iteration and the speed of syncing in the end. And because substreams that has a layer below, and it's not necessarily tied subgraphs in its query layer form. Well, you're seeing people use substreams to feed into different things, like, yeah, like a Twitter feed or someone's piping that into their Google Sheets because they're tired of you know, copy-pasting things from Etherscan. So they were able to hook that high-speed transformation layer that was taken a little bit from the original subgraph and then you know, feed into many, many other things that are also, by the way, coming to the graph network as you know, I would I call those deployable units, things that eventually indexers can serve, but that will be different from subgraphs. Yet, perhaps powered by by strong and powerful, you know, and fast middle engine, right? So you said a little of this in your answer there, but just double clicking on it, what does the release of substreams powered subgraphs mean for the graph and for kind of the future of indexing? It's it's opening up a whole bunch of new paradigms of you know querying at least so you know subgraphs had their ways to query but you know in data in data science you always need to think how i'm going to shape the data according to the query i have to the needs i have and the, like sometimes we're saying maybe the analytics use case is not served as well in a subgraph because you would need to lay out the data in a different way well now with substreams you can decide how you're going to shape the data put it in a different store and now that's what I just said before, right? Now those new deployable units could shape the data in different ways and, and use perhaps different stores. Right now we're using Postgres for subgraphs, but maybe other stores are just crazy better for analytics use case, like time series database. And these databases and these new query layers can reach the decentralized network, offering a plethora of new use case for indexers, new opportunities for indexers, but also cover all of the ground that there is in terms of indexing technologies and, and, and indexing needs, query needs. There's nothing we can, like if someone wants a graph database in the future because that's how they want to query, 
well, we'll, we can have a deployable unit on the graph network and cover all cases. Like, I don't, I can't imagine a case that would not be covered on the graph network once we've, you know, rolled out sinks. I call them sinks, like as a, in the drain sinks of all sorts of nature. And substreams powered subgraph is the first that we are able to bridge those two technologies and bring them to the network. So clearly on the day of the announcement, there was a blog post, there were some FAQs. For listeners that want to dive even a little bit deeper, Alex, what's the best way to get educated and up to speed on substreams and substreams powered subgraphs? A simple way to get started, you go to the docs, you go to the blog post that we just outlined, and there's a cookbook entry where you can try directly you know, how to write a small, simple substreams, and that you have all the steps needed to deploy it as a subgraph on the network. So go there. Okay, so you can also head to the documentation on the Substreams docs website where you can learn more about the, the Substreams engine itself and how you can like exert even more power and then extract more, you know, powerful stuff there to build general purpose Substreams that could fit with the, some perhaps other needs that you have. Alex, thank you so much for taking time to come and explain this. And again, congratulations to you and the whole Streaming Fast team for launching something that'll have a real impact at the graph. I think when we recorded our last full-scale interview here on the GRTIQ podcast, you had just had a baby. But I think since that time, you've had another. How many are you up to now? Oh, boy. I just had, like, they're the closest babies we had. We, that's my ninth baby, our ninth baby. So it was, like, one year apart. So probably around one year we spoke. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's good setup we have here. I have a great wife and all that. So I've been lucky. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Before I let you go, I do want to ask just one last question. And it's the opportunity to ask somebody like yourself on this incredible team doing so much work, what's it like working on the bleeding edge of technology? I mean, everything that's happening at the graph, everything that's happening in Web3, it's brilliant stuff. It seems like we're right at the tip of the spear of what's possible. And every day you wake up and you work on this. What's it like? I like creating. I like the fusion of different things, you know, coming and sparking into you know, in our team and my brain and then figuring out how we're going to do something new, how we're going to do something that is going to be exciting, powerful, and it can have, you know, people can use. So it's really exciting. I'm really happy to be in that setup where we can create out of new innovation that, you know, spark together. There's that data aspect that existed, but that blockchain that didn't exist as much. And there's, you know, even compared to a lot of the third party or, or generally like call them web two data systems, the more I'm looking at it, the more we're building something quite unique there. And it's because of the fusion of blockchain and data science that we're figuring out, yeah, new patterns that eventually can even, even be retrofit to Web2, uh, Web2 land. So that's it. Uh, I mean, it's pretty cool. I, I'm happy. What about you? It's a thrill to speak with people like you and every week, the opportunity to shine a light on their stories and showcase the work they're working on. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate the work you're doing there. And we'll talk again soon. Okay, bye. Listeners can visit the show notes for a full transcript and links from today's episode. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, then you know that Alex Bourget joined me for a full-length interview during episode 42. So check it out if you want to learn more about Alex, the origins of Streaming Fast, and the story behind how they became a core dev team at The Graph. Please consider contributing to this project and helping build the community by subscribing and leaving a review. G-R-T-I-Q-Podcast. Podcast.